You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host, and this is episode 225. And I have, as I always have the pleasure of doing, have an amazing guest today, Rebecca Morrison. And she works with uh, already successful individuals to bring some more happiness. So uh, what do you do when you've achieved your goals, yet you still don't feel happy? Well, even though Rebecca Morrison was a happily married mom and lawyer with a two-decade career in big law and finance, she felt something was missing. And I know a lot of you will uh, definitely feel this one. That feeling led her on a quest to figure out whether it was possible to be both successful and happy. Now, a happiness coach and author of The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters, Rebecca helps high achievers live happier, lead happier, and build happy businesses. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so grateful to have you today. Uh, Boy, does this world need more happiness. And (laughs) I absolutely agree. Like we can, uh, I remember years ago, someone uh, asked me the question, like, what's your definition of success? Mm -hmm. And it first, doesn't it sound like super simple? And then as I got reflecting, I was like, wait a minute, you know, if you're only focusing on the past, you can kind of have that, what you talked about that, what next feeling celebrating, you know, if you're in your forties and you're still throwing on your football Jersey from high school, (laughs) (laughs) um, or, you know, you're too focused on the future and forgetting to celebrate the past. So you have to find that I'm going to call it the happy blend. So I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we're in a world where happiness seems elusive for a lot of people right now. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to be here to be talking about this and to be doing this work for sure. Yeah. So let's dive in. Just start with, um, cause it sounds like you kind of went through this kind of, you know, self-reflection time. So what experiences motivated you the most to start helping people be happier? Yeah. I mean, so it's been kind of a long and winding road to get to the place that I am today. Um, and I tell people, you know, when I, when people ask where it started, there's a couple of different points in my life I could, I could highlight, but I, I typically, um, talk about one of two things. So I think today I'll talk about, um, all the way back in my childhood. So I, uh, was raised, so I'm an only child. I was raised by a father who was a Lutheran pastor and a mother who was a lawyer and very successful, um, employee of a very large company. She ultimately ended her career as the VP of worldwide. I mean, I'm sorry, as the head of worldwide public affairs for that company sort of one step down from the CEO. But when I was in about middle school, so let's call it 12, 13 years old, um, the company put her through a leadership development program. And she came home one night and called a family meeting. And so my father and I sat down and in this family meeting, she told us that it was her homework assignment to talk to her family about her priorities. And she wanted to let us know that her top priority was her career. And my response to that as a 13 year old was literally, duh, 
she had been living that way. I knew her career mattered, mattered to her. I knew she was going to pick that when, you know, when she had to make a choice and that it was very important to her. So to hear her actually claim it, um, a lot of times I tell that story and people are like, oh, did that, you know, did that hurt your feelings? No way. It didn't hurt my feelings. I knew I was loved. I knew I was cared for. I had everything I needed both from her and from my father. And so to actually just understand that she was claiming what she was doing, that she was being honest about her choices, that she wasn't saying one thing and doing another, and that we then knew how to support her and her priorities was actually a really powerful lesson. I love that. So yeah, my mind actually did. And you probably heard me say, yeah. oh, you know, uh, so that is where my mind went. But I love that for you, even as a 13 year old, your focus was on the integrity, the authenticity. Uh, so uh, yeah, high, high emotional IQ there. <laughs> Well, I mean, in fairness, right? Like, like I said, I was raised by an interesting combination, right? A lawyer and a pastor is an interesting combination and friends actually who've known me since I was young joke that I, in my work, I've got this like interesting combination of real lawyer sort of practicality and, um, and structure combined with the empathy that one would expect from somebody who spent a career caring for other people. Right. So I'm sure that I, I can't take full credit for that emotional intelligence, but also, I mean, think about what the opposite could have been. If she had come home and said, you guys are my top priority. I think I might've laughed in her face, right? Like Mm -hmm. she wasn't living it. And Mm -hmm. so it, it, there is something even to a 13 year old or younger about recognizing when people are out of alignment with their own authenticity and their own integrity, integrity, as you said, right. Like we see it, we know it, it feels wrong. It feels silly. Um, And yet we, I think a lot of people walk through life trying to do it because they believe that there is an answer that they should give. And of course the internal harmony is off base. If that's what you're doing yourself and think about the energy that so many people lose by, you know, knowing internally, but trying to exude externally something different. Correct. Absolutely. The energy of like maneuvering that, figuring it out and also just the inauthenticity. So tell me, how did that? So that is an amazing and early on experience was not expecting um, a 13 year old (laughs) story there. So uh, how did that look then for you? And when did that when did you bring that experience into your own life? So it's interesting. So I mean, maybe maybe I'll tell you both stories. Fast forward um, a bunch of years and I am now graduated from law school, working as a litigator. And I've got a toddler and a husband and my husband is working in counterterrorism. And I find myself one Tuesday night sitting on the floor of the bathroom with the cordless phone clipped to the back of my pants and a toilet seat cover down, notebook on top of the toilet seat cover, paper spread around me, toddler in the bathtub. And I am both bathing my toddler and preparing an expert for trial. And I have two thoughts at that moment in very quick succession. The first thought is, man, I am literally killing it. Like who says you can't do it all? I'm here. I'm a mom. I'm present with my kid, but I'm also doing this work. Like I'm doing it all. And then the next thought I had was with like almost without missing a breath was, and I'm exhausted and this is unsustainable. And I'm not even sure it's what I want to do or that I'm happy. And that was a big realization to sort of dial into back to that moment with my mom, my priorities, what mattered most to me, what was my top priority in that season. Um, and I'd love to say that like, that was all it took, but of course that's not the way that the story goes. And it took <laughs> several months and several other sort of 
you know, instances and reminders and nudges from, from God or the universe, if you will, to like, pay attention here. You need to decide what matters to you. You need to decide what your path is, not the path that you think you should be on, but what is your path? And so I reached a point where I realized actually in this season of my life, I want to be a mom first. And what that meant for me may not be what you think when you hear those words. It didn't mean that I was going to not work outside the home. It meant that I was going to try to find a job or a career option that allowed me to engage my brain, have something for myself, but also gave me the flexibility to show up and be a present parent. Amazing. Yeah. And, And then I had to call and tell my mom that. And you'll, you'll, you know, when I tell these two stories like this, you know, close to each other, it's kind of funny to me because I went to that conversation with my mom with a ton of trepidation. I'm like, here, I have to go and tell this person who put their career first that I am choosing to put my family first. And like, what is she going to think about that? And I'm supposed to be putting my career first. And I'm supposed to be, you know, sort of like this motivated, driven career person. Yeah. So I called her and her answer was the adult equivalent of duh. And (laughs) (laughs) and was basically, thank you. Good. I'm glad you have found your priority and you are honoring it. Oh, I love that. She gave you that freedom and yes, you know, I mean, not that she could control you, but that's validating hearing that from a mom. And I have to share at this point that I went through something very similar. Now my kids are grown now, uh, but I, made the shift and I did the exact same thing. I'm like, I want to continue to use my brain. I want to end, but in all instances, I say like, once we can get real now we can get into creative problem solving mode. Yes. Instead of using all of our energy to like cram a life together from what Mm -hmm. we think should. And if you're using that word should, um, or have to, uh, you're not empowered, but yeah. So once I got real about that, I was able to then go ask, uh, a boss at the time, you know, if I could go part-time and, and work part from home and, but part-time overall. And, uh, and it just made it work for me. I got to continue and work that I loved use my brain and my education and all of that and prioritize my family and much better. And I actually was trying to do the work of helping many out. This is all the way back in 1998, by the way. Awesome. Um, but help other women do the same. Yeah. So, uh, I love it. So, uh, so then what was the creative solution that you found? So, I mean, yeah. So I, I did what a lot of people do when they are faced with that is like, Oh, something needs to change. Let me look for this sort of easiest, most obvious adjacent change. And so I ended up staying in big law firms, but switching from being a practicing attorney to um, working on the admin side. Ultimately that evolved over the course of a decade into a hybrid sort of practicing admin role. Um, but, but just taking a step out of the litigation cycle and off of the partnership track gave me a ton more flexibility and control around my hours. I also switched firms and in the switch, I made very clear to my new employer that, Hey, this is the deal. I'll be here and I'll give you hundred percent and I'll do my work, but I need flexibility. I need to be able to leave to pick up the sick kid or to go to the school event or, you know, whatever it is that being a present parent meant at the time for me. And they were very open and receptive to that. So I think it was, like you said, being equipped to ask for what I needed was a big part of making that shift. Um, Absolutely. So tell me, uh, so how long ago is this now? So I made that move when my daughter was two, she will be 18 in a month. So it was about 16 years ago. Okay, great. And, and, uh, I'm assuming there were probably shifts along the way and how you wanted to design your work. And when did you launch, uh, untangled happiness? 
So it's untangle happiness. No D oh, sorry, sorry. No big deal at all. And, um, I launched that on January 1st of 2019. So we are in our, or I am in my third year of this world. Um, and it was born out of sort of a, again, a new evolution of realizing like, okay, I've done a lot. I've accomplished a lot. I've built this life. That's really making me happy. Let me even dial further into what matters most to me and the parts that I've enjoyed the most. And that has been helping, helping people, um, recognize their success, whatever that ends up meaning to them. And so that's why I decided to sort of take a step into my own, my own thing, having my own business and really turning around and and looking for opportunities to serve people in that way. That's great. And again, I'm sure some of the first work you end up doing is helping them clarify. So not defining our success by others definition, but what is our definition and then how do we live into that? Yeah. Uh, So tell me about specifically the work that you've been doing since 2019. What kinds of people do you work with? And yeah. Um, And so I will just add that I started in 2019 thinking actually that what I was going to do was go back into law firms and help bring better, um, better equip their, their folks to be leaders and managers. Uh, Cause I had spent, you know, a full decade being a manager in a law firm, recognizing that they don't teach either leadership or management in law school and watching people struggle as they moved up the attorney ranks with what does it mean to all of a sudden be a manager of people and teams. Um, Simultaneously, I got my executive coaching certification from Berkeley. And at that program, they launched the program doing an exercise that they call soul portrait and where you stand up in front of a room of relative strangers and answer a bunch of probing questions about yourself. And they asked me, what is your purpose? And my answer in that moment was my purpose is to spread joy. And then I said that, and I thought, who said that? (laughs) Because that's (laughs) that's news to me. Um, but as I, as my coaching work started and evolved, what I found is exactly what you said. I was helping people not so much with the leadership and management stuff, but actually with the, okay, I've achieved a lot. I've checked a lot of boxes and this is not doing it for me. I am not happy. What do I need to change? Right. And often people will come to me and say, you know, and, and you ask what kind of people I work with. I work with um, kind of a mix of people sort of VP level and above all the way to CEO, as well as entrepreneurs who are kind of at that crossroads of like, look, I've had a lot of on paper success, but this is not doing it for me. I am not having fun and something's got to change, right? Um, I might, you know, if I keep on this path, I'm going to burn out. I've got to make a significant change fast, right? Yep. And what's interesting about it is often in the work that we do together, the first phase of the work that we do is not what is going to change. Actually, the first phase of the work that we do is how can you land fully in yourself and in the situation that you're in today so that you can actually, rather than trying to escape your unhappiness, you can architect your happiness. And the only way you can do that is if you're doing it from a solid foundation of connection with self and an understanding of what really makes you tick and what you really need to change. Um, And so that's been an interesting evolution to watch because because, you know, when we're unhappy and we're, we're struggling with our circumstances or with our life, often we look at the circumstances and say, oh, yeah, got to quit this job or got to leave this relationship or got to move houses or got to have more in my bank account. Whatever the circumstantial thing is, that's what we think we need to fix. In fact, what needs to get fixed first, and you've alluded to it a number of times, is really understanding what our definition of success is, what our definition of happiness is, and then thinking about how do we build a life that satisfies that. Absolutely. And I can't tell you the number of times in, you know, almost 30 years working with people around this that um that I say, like, you know, if you're just moving away from, you're really running 
and you can be running willy nilly. Yes. <laughs> so you yes. need to be moving powerfully with intention towards something. And so the first thing is making those intentional choices and decisions that are based on. And I always do this, um, you know, like it has to be that strong foundation where no yeah. longer emotions, others thoughts of you are driving you fears, not driving yeah. you and just the angst of eh, I hate this. Okay, cool. Well, that gives us some answers, but that doesn't tell us the direction to move. And I yeah, I always say too, like, let's just take the biggest decisions for right now. Like it's not leave now. It's like, let's get to the foundation first and then start building that plan. And uh, can we make, maybe you can make it palatable where you are. You know, if, again, if you can get clear and then get into problem solving mode. That's right. And the other thing I will add is when we're running, right? Like the image I have in my head, when I think about this is like, if you're on a speeding train, right, you can't even take in the options for roads that you're passing or paths Mm -hmm. that you're passing, right? So you have to slow way down to be able to really expand into possibility. And I know it sometimes seems counterintuitive, but that's the reality. It's like when you can actually slow down and land where you are, then you can see all of the things that are possible. And as you point out, maybe you don't have to radically transform where you're sitting today in order to be happier, to lean into your own definition of success. Maybe there's little changes that you can make. Maybe there's something you need to ask the people that you work for, um, to provide to you in terms of structure, flexibility, opportunity, support, whatever it is, right? Yeah, the answers aren't just yes and no, or yes or no. You know, there's so many options if we get creative. Yep. Yeah, so I love it. Um, I feel like we're kindred spirits here. So so uh, tell me, you know, I always love uh, for guests on the show to share an impact that they've made that really fuels your passion. Because as, as you know, when we're entrepreneurs, uh, there's going to be hurdles, there's going to be challenges, and we need the the tenacity that passion gives us to keep that fuel going. And so um, I think it's inspiring for each of us to recall those on our own and then inspiring for others if we share a story. So share a story that really comes to mind for you that um, an impact that you've made for one of your clients that really fuels you. I like to be really careful about telling client stories um, because much of the work that I do is so, so deeply personal, but I guess I can kind of, I think I can make it anonymous. Yeah. Make it very anonymous. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to think about how to frame it. Um, I mean, I would say like one of the, the very early clients that I had, um, we worked together and he was in a job where he was struggling a little bit and was, you know, not deeply unhappy, but moderately unhappy. And so we worked together to kind of figure out how to, how to, build better relationships with the people around him at his current organization. This was like very, he was one of my first three clients that I had in 2019. Um, Fast forward, he called me and was like, I'm, um, I just got laid off and I need your help figuring out where to go next. And watching the evolution that he had as we created together, created the space for him to truly explore what was holding him back, what was limiting him and what kind of life he wanted to build has been so awesome. And so since that point, he got laid off in mid 2020. He is now in a new job, thriving, having fun, um, so confident, so um grounded in who he is and who he wants to be and able to bring him whole, his whole self to work. It's just, every time I see him post something, um, on LinkedIn about, you know, the fun he's having, the work he's doing, how much he's enjoying it. It just makes, that's like just awesome validation for me that 
two things, that the work that I'm doing is really important and meaningful, but also that happiness is possible when we stop and do the work to build the life the way that we need it to be for our happiness. Amazing. Yeah. I always say we need to get off the lazy river way of doing life, you know, with, if life's just bumping you along, yep. uh, yeah, get your arms in the water. So, uh, tell me for you personally, what's been the biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome and how did you personally overcome it? I mean, I think you've got glimmers from, of it from the stories I've told you, but like, I very much have lived in a way that I'm susceptible to the shoulds. And I don't think I'm alone in that, right? Like, I, I don't think I'm particularly no. <laughs> u- unique, but I would actually say that is, has been my challenge along is like worrying about, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I doing the quote unquote right thing without thinking about whether it was the right thing for me? And that even happens. I'll be really frank with you. When I started my own business. Rather than thinking like, okay, I'm going to build a business that's the fit for my life and, and it, you know, where I'm getting to do the things that I want to do, I got a little bit sucked into, oh, you know, people say if you want to be a successful coach, uh, you have to also have a course and you have to also do this and you have to have a funnel and you have to, you know, just all this stuff um, until I realized that, no, actually, just like everything else, I get to decide how I want to show up, what I want to do and how I want to build this. And so I think it's just a constant reminder to be again, tied to myself, belong to myself, really figure out what matters most to me and architect it that way. And anytime I go into a new or anytime we all go into a new situation, right, we're susceptible to falling into old patterns. And that's what happened to me there. It didn't last very long. I snapped out of it much more quickly. But um, but I would say that is one of the things that has been a hallmark of my, my journey and something that, you know, obviously I work with people on, but that doesn't mean that I'm perfect at it. Oh yeah. I mean, and that takes years, I think, uh, you know, cause that next shiny object can come in <laughs> front of you. And so then there's another time to work that muscle. That's right. <laughs> and then, you know, and as a business owner, there is some, you know, some self-discipline required. So it's like when I don't, f- you know, if you're telling yourself, I don't feel like doing that, is this like, do I need to intentionally choose to rest or rejuvenate or go yes. into my cocoon phase? Or am I like trying to avoid something I don't really want to do? But I mean, there are some things that you're not going to like <laughs> that you oh, still yeah, must no do. Question. And so as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, so I've been a business owner for, you know, over 30 years. And yes. so uh, before there were podcasts and funnels and all these things. Yes. Yes. But um, so, yeah, there are so many opportunities and even I think honing the direction that we're going to take, like, um, yes. you know, our, our true sweet spot that that can be a constant like uh, self-awareness exercise as well. So, no, I love that you shared that. And I'm sure that everyone can uh, relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So tell me, um, how do you stay motivated and moving during particularly tough times? Like when there's a pandemic and all kinds of crazy stuff going on and you just started a business, perhaps. <laughs> For example, <laughs> um, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm going to quibble with your question a little bit. I, I don't always stay moving or motivated when there are tough times. I think there are some times where I stop and I allow myself to just feel the toughness of it. And I think that's really important because I've definitely lived through some very challenging times and I've worked in environments where the expectation was you put the challenge aside and you push through. Right. And I, I think that is, and I know that wasn't the spirit of your question. I know you're not suggesting that. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. But, (laughs) But I think, but I think that was the lesson, the learning for me and having watched 
that having done it myself and having watched others do that is that there is no such thing as putting struggle aside. The struggle just stays with us and then we have to confront it later. And so I've really leaned into the notion that part of happiness actually is being able to feel all the feelings, knowing how to process them, knowing how not to get stuck in any one place that you don't want to stay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the, the way that I stay motivating, motivated, I guess, during tough times is I allow them to be tough. I I acknowledge that it's hard. I acknowledge when I need to rest. I acknowledge when I'm struggling. I acknowledge, um, when I need it, you know, when, when it's not working or when I'm angry or when I'm sad, I name those emotions. And I think about what is it that they are trying, what is it that those emotions are bringing to me in terms of wisdom? Like what's the lesson from them versus just, Oh, I don't want to be angry. Let me set it aside. And I think it's that balance that we all try to work once we have that self-awareness of, because we don't want our emotions to drive us or control us or take over. Uh, but they are important and they are giving us information. So again, I think it's always constantly checking in and saying, am I doing this right now because uh, of an outside source Mm -hmm. or from, you know, again, it might be our emotions, which sometimes we need to listen to. Sometimes I'm just hungry, you know, (laughs) like, well, that's right. Or tired. And so, uh, you know, yeah. And where is the energy of negative emotions going? Um, and you don't want to stuff them or turn them inward for sure. Uh, but at the same time, if you have some negative emotions that are a little heightened, it's like, Hmm, why is this heightened? Like this isn't really aligned with the experience that I'm having. Is this some old stuff? Is this, you know, yeah, (laughs) there's just so much to maneuver through. There is. And you hit the nail on the head, right? Like if I'm sitting here and I'm just so angry, right. And I'm like, Oh, right. I could stop there and be like, Oh, I'm so angry. Oh, I don't have time to be angry. Let me put it aside. Or I could be like, what is really like, what am I fill in the blank? I'm angry because <laughs> like, yeah. And just take that like several times and talk, cause you make a really good point. Sometimes it's like, I'm angry because like, I'm just really hungry. <laughs> Yeah. Or I'm overwhelmed or or I'm overwhelmed or I don't want to do this or I, or somebody broke a boundary and I need to go tell them that that impacted me, you know? And my amygdala is trying to tell me, eh, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Like, oh, (laughs) that sounds scary and uncomfortable, but no, I actually do need to do that. Yeah. Um, For my own peace. Yeah. 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 And I will say in my, uh, in my life at, at this point, man, my, we call our home, our oasis. And I do, I have so many boundaries up around pure peace here. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, absolutely. So, uh, tell me, so I love that though, that I think there's so much wisdom in, in what you're sharing about our emotions. I, you know, I think it's good to, you know, we need to take them out and examine them and see if there's good fruit to pull from there. Uh, and again, we don't want to stuff it. It sits there you know, if you're just stuffing it away. So continuing to have the smile, isn't necessarily the goal. Uh, but it's again, always with intention. How do I want to maneuver through these emotions right now? Is there action to take? Can I table it for a little bit, but not stuff it? All those kinds of questions are the things that we want to, uh, ask constantly. Yeah. And I mean, and look, it's like, it's a lot easier to table. Like if I'm in the midst of a really busy moment in my job, or career, let's say. And I recognize that I'm angry because the boundary got broken. That doesn't mean I have to go have that conversation about holding my boundary right at that second. I can table. It is way easier to table that knowing what needs to happen, knowing where the anger came from than to just table the emotion. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. And um, it gives us the chance to calm, be calm. I mean, yes. for those who haven't had, like I always say you create 
you communicate and then you keep healthy boundaries and all three of those are important in the process. But, uh, if we can do those things, not in the moment of conflict or crisis, like away from those moments, it's actually better. And it is so empowering once you are good at communicating and keeping healthy boundaries, uh, cause we don't need to get connected to other people's like, it's hard enough to maneuver our own emotions. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't need to take responsibility for other people's, for yeah. other people's emotions and how they might react to a tough conversation. And it's much easier for us to stay grounded if we do give that time. And so it's yes, uh, tabling versus stuffing. And then, you know, and telling yourself it, it's avoidance if you're not going to deal with it. And I'm sure you've had this happen where, you know, you talk to a client and you strategize about a conversation they need to need to have. And then lo and behold, they had no time the whole previous week, so you know, busy. Couldn't possibly have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, not letting yourself off the hook or working with a good coach who won't let yourself off the hook. It could help you strategize and, uh, and have those conversations, but yeah, sometimes it's better. And I always visualize like the weight of something that I have pending sits on my sh- sitting on my shoulders and we don't want to leave it there either. Yes. Cause, um, like move it truly to the side, but not away, not stuff. So like picture, don't tuck it in your body. Don't sit it on your shoulders. Like, cause that's what gives us the motivation to hurry up and get it done. Cause I want yep. it off my plate. Yep. No, you can table it, like just stick it. There's gotta be a little shelf or somewhere where you tuck it, where it's visible. It's not going away, but it's, there's no weight of it on you. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. it, and I guess, I guess it's like, the difference between tabling an emotion versus tabling an action, which is what we're talking about, right? Like, right. You're not tabling your anger. You're tabling the conversation you need to have about how hurt you were that a boundary was crossed. Yes. Although I'm going to, I would say if you're a person though, cause I know you've worked with clients like this too. Like if you're going to stew about something for an entire oh. day and a half and not be productive as a result, you need then, to kind of do then something. You need to go do it. Yeah. <laughs> or you need to do whatever you need to do to yeah, stop stewing. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't give it that much time and energy, hopefully. I mean, sometimes we need to, if it's a huge thing, but all right. So tell me what words of wisdom do you have for others who want to make their impact beyond all the wisdom that you've already shared? Hmm, new wisdom. Let me think. Yeah. Um, If you had to boil it down to like a quick additional little nugget. No, I mean, I look, I think it's actually really simple. So I I wrote a a book, it's called the happiness recipe. And it is based on the notion that the, that the recipe for maximum happiness is actually just do more of what matters to you and less of the rest. And there are all kinds of things that sort of get in the way of us doing it, doing that. And that's what the book takes on and offers practical sort of tips for solving that. But I think focusing back on that top definition, if you want to have an impact, whether it's on your life or on the world, I think it requires getting super, super dialed in to what matters most to you in this season and trying to have as much of that, as much of your time, energy, and resources going towards that and being able to sort of offload, let go of the noise that doesn't drive that forward. And I love your emphasis on in the season, because also I think we can get into unrealistic expectation mode, even of ourselves when we become self-aware and there are going to be seasons where, you know, you're going to have less time for that period. And that's right. And it's going to shift and there's going to be, I mean, we could go into a whole analysis of seasons, but there's going to be micro seasons that come up where, you know, you've, you're dealing with some, I'll call it crisis. And I don't necessarily mean that in a dramatic way, but like some, something that is important to you that is taking a bunch of your attention, a sick relative, a sick kid, you know, um, you need to turn and refocus on your marriage because it's, that's where the focus needs to be for a short time. 
I think that's okay too. Acknowledging that these micro seasons can come along and shift our focus. As long as it's intentional, I I'm on board. Right. But it is just being really clear about where your focus is going and that you're putting it where you want to grow, not, not sort of like just throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes. So I think we can boil down this whole conversation to self-awareness and intention. Yeah, no question. Ultimately. (laughs) So uh, Rebecca, it's been amazing chatting with you today. Thanks so much for all the wisdom that you've shared and for this amazing book. It's called The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters by Rebecca Morrison. And again, you can find her website at untanglehappiness.com. That's U-N-T-A-N-G-L-E, happiness, H-A-P-P-I-N-A-S-S.com. And if you go to today's show notes, you can see the link to her website and also her social media. You can find today's show notes by going to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab and go to episode two. 25. Thanks again, Rebecca. And for all who are listening, get out there and make your own impact in the world. The world is waiting. Make it happen. Have a great day.